Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and DC Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website, www.5-dubs.com. Welcome to Five Dubs. This is MDDC's podcast that examines the who, what, when, where, and why of local journalism. And today we have with us Jen Ellingsworth from the Cape Gazette. And she is a nominee for MDDC's prestigious Designer of the Year Award. So welcome, Jen. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for hosting me. My pleasure. So I first wanted to introduce to our readers your role and you work with the Cape Gazette. So if you could tell us a bit about who the Cape Gazette is and what role it fills in, in the community. The, uh, the Cape Gazette has been around for a really long time in Delaware's Cape region, which is the beach area, the resort as well as the outlying areas of Milton. We cover a lot of Georgetown news, as well as, you know, bedroom communities like Milford. So it's a pretty, a pretty broad range, and we're, we're hyper-local, which means that we really dig deep into the local stories with very, very intimate local angles, different from our larger competitors who would just probably take a broad sweep at things. We really take a a deeper dive into everything. Mm -hmm. So um, we just really pride ourselves in being the local source for everything that anyone who visits or lives in the Cape region would ever want to know. And we like to present it in a really a good, uh, easy to engage way. We don't want it to be work for them. We want it to be easily accessible, both in print and in our website. Sure. And it sounds like you're, you're really focusing on that end user. And because you are an independently owned and operated publication, you don't really have to hit the, the top hit parades of, you know, a corporate um, initiative that's trying to be, that's trying to satisfy consumers across the nation or across the region. So that's kind of exciting. You're one of the few independents left. It really is. It really is. We're unique and often we like to refer to ourselves as a unicorn (laughs) because that's what it feels like. It feels like in this sea of, I hate to even say this because it's, it's not true. Print is dead. You know, that whole mantra. We really stand out because we are one of the fortunate ones that are able to really thrive and grow in our area because people really count on us. The local community counts on Cape Gazette to be the, the voice of reason in what we now know is a very challenging era. Absolutely. So now what do you specifically do at the Cape Gazette? Design, I feel like, is one part of your role at that publication. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Um, I'm one of a team of editors. We have several. And we work together with the reporters and the news team to sort of formulate a plan, as it were, across all platforms, website, print, um, special sections, the beach paper, all of that. And I work from an editorial standpoint with them. And then from the design aspect, 
which often comes later in the game, I work with mostly the editors and the reporters to, we, we work together to create a package that would engage and appeal to the readers and make it accessible because that's what it's all about. You want to engage and bring them into it. Sounds like you're kind of pulling all these diverse threads in terms of the story package, the photography, and then the constraints and, and opportunities that you find both in print and online and sometimes even in social media all together to create this package for a reader to really kind of hit at their sweet spot of what they're interested in, in knowing and what they want to engage with. A am I getting that right? Absolutely, yes. The sweet spot is very important because is a make or break aspect of any of this. If you don't, you know, you don't want the stories on the print page to look gray. You want someone to pick up the paper and say, oh, I really want to read this story other than like, oh, I'm hitting this block of gray, which means you have to have artwork be it photography or some sort of interesting typography, even a pull quote, as simple as the box that you put on the page with like some information in it. We call those utility boxes. Mm -hmm. And that really, it's really important in that aspect that the news team with the reporters, the editors, me, the photographers, the designers, all of that, everybody has to over communicate, which we're very good at at the Cape Gazette. We are very good at communication and everybody feels like they have a stake in it. And that's important as well. Since we're taping this in the time of coronavirus, how has that changed? I mean, usually when I've been to the, the Cape Gazette office, it seems like a really fun place to work. It seems like every time I'm there, you're having cake and celebrating a birthday. So that's just fun. But it also seems like you enjoy being with one another and are, and are really collaborative. And how are you doing when you're working remotely and with all these other challenges in your lives? It is a challenge. I'm not going to lie to you. It is. I'm one of the ones who is working remotely and there are some brave souls. I mean, they're at the office every day. Some, most of the reporters, editors, a lot of the production team, and that's invaluable. You know, everybody's situation's different, but I would say, I mean, it's a, a struggle some days because we do have these technological hurdles to overcome. Nobody's down the hall for me. I'm miles and miles away. So that is unique, but we've made it work. I mean, we really, everybody, it goes back to that communication. Everybody is really good about emailing and texting and calling on the phone and just coordinating. And we've learned new, new ways to coordinate by using, if it's a Google Drive spreadsheet or you know, someone <clears throat> messages me on Facebook, you know, it's, they're all different angles, all different ways that everybody's just kind of made their way in this new world. For our listeners at home, I just wanted to make sure everybody understands that news media in, I think across the country, but certainly in Maryland, Delaware, and DC is considered an essential business. And so mm -hmm. obviously many of our, our members in the press association are working as remotely as they can, but when you're printing a publication, when you're doing certain aspects of pulling the publication together, people need to be in the office. And so our members really are, are taking that seriously and taking seriously their mission to inform their communities. So Jen, did you come at this work from the design side more or from the editorial side? And no, I started out as a, a reporter, a sports reporter, in fact, and darkroom technician and a photographer. Yeah, a long, long time ago when there were things like dark rooms. And then I, I started out at a paper called the Milford Chronicle, 
where I worked with Ron MacArthur, who I'm also blessed to now work with at the Cape Gazette. He was my editor at the Chronicle and kind of taught me the ropes of everything. And then years later, I started at the Cape Gazette, and we were still in that era of analog um, mm-hmm. as far as newspapers went. We were still doing paste up, which people now don't even know about. <laughs> oh, I'm old enough and, uh, to remember. So I started out in that. And I actually feel blessed to be part of that because now I feel grateful for things that we have. It is a whole sea change of digital photography and digital design and page building and all sorts of things like that. So when I started at the Cape Gazette back in 1996, we were at that cusp of technology where it was just starting to shift over into a lot more on the computer, you know, Mm -hmm. before we had just been hands-on, paste-up, old school. So I started becoming very interested in design of the newspaper and the uh, front page and the templates and headlines and really crafting the page that way, other than just writing stories, which is also like a huge important thing. But the design really, really appealed to me because I felt like I was really good at conveying the story through the appearance of the newspaper. Mm-hmm and the typography and things like that. So then when it shifted over to page building and page design on the computer solely, I really started doing a deep dive into other people who were doing it. Sounds like you have been in this industry for a really long time and in such a collaborative way. Can you talk about some of the, the other people that influenced your journey to becoming a good designer? There's a huge difference between graphic design and news design. What I do is definitely would fall under the visual storytelling news design umbrella. Graphic designers are this whole other animal. It's a whole other skill set. They're geniuses. I work with some really, really great graphic designers. And a lot of that can bleed over into news design. But the news design aspect is strictly like I was reporter, editor, and then designer. And they're all sort of like together, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. It's, it's visual storytelling. And that said, I really was influenced by Mario Garcia. He's a Cuban-American designer, a design guru. He's just amazing. And I started following him online and reading some of his books that he's written and it they really spoke to me and I thought you know this this is my tribe this is like talking my language <laughs> and I, I started him and sort of following some of his philosophies about just elements of drawing people in to the paper through different navigation tools and I'm talking about you know specifically the front page we have boxes on our front page which every newspaper in world has them but they're like little reefer little elements that draw people in much more than a table of contents, much more than, you know, an index. Just, you know, graphic elements on the page, which are headlines, individual headlines. That's just one aspect of what he preaches about newspapers. And then I started looking at other people, like Charles Apple is another famous person in the design world. And what he's doing as far as like his illustrations are amazing. And just, you know, across the map, just trying to like emulate some of these other people and draw from their ideas 
and see how they can apply locally to things that the Cape Gazette cover and make it our own. I'll also make sure that in our show notes, we have links to some of those resources that that were particularly important for you. You've talked a little bit about how the world has changed and It's funny, I mean, when I started in the industry in the early 90s as well, I remember those paste-up machines. So for everyone out there who is like, what are these people talking about? Just in summary, every page of the newspaper felt like a craft project. You'd have these waxing machines with basically you had an element that was printed out onto paper and cut to kind of fit the shape that you wanted. And then you'd you'd run it over a wax machine and literally paste it down onto the page. Is that right, Jen? I mean, it is that, it was that basic. And craft project is an excellent, that's an excellent analogy because it really was. It was tape and wax and exacto knives. And then this really hateful material called ruby lift that you would have to use if you wanted to do anything in color. I mean, remember that? That was just extra. (laughs) Yeah. Extra special. In some ways, learning about design by having to put all those elements together and, and weaving in your background as a photographer, of course, a very visual element, that all kind of, I think, ingrains those lessons in kind of like at a very subliminal level. And you kind of miss that when you can just drag and drop and click and whatnot. There's so many benefits to mm-hmm. the new world and, and so much agility and flexibility within our new environment. But, you know, it's always a little give and take on each side, but I don't miss the pay stuff for sure. Not at all. No, I was going to say that's, that, that's a nice, you know, it's, it's a distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd love to hear your thoughts. You have, if you think about it, the Cape Gazette, of course, has a robust print publication. And you, of course, were gearing up for the busy season where where you have an additional publication with the Beach Pub. And you're probably turning out about 48 pages a week at least. And you also are working on a website, which is available 24-7. And you do a lot of events. Yeah. So how do you how do you design for those different mediums and make sure that you're coherent and uh, accessible in the way that that you want to be across all those different platforms? My my forte is definitely the print version. I'm not so involved in the website as far as the design goes. We have a, a content management system certainly that we work from to pull elements to put in our print edition, mm-hmm. and basically when I design something or I build something for the print edition, you sort of have to wrap your head around, okay, now how am I going to make this work for the website? Because I've made it for the print now, so I have to like convert something into a JPEG. It's, it's often something on the back end like that, where I'm mm-hmm. like trying to think about not so necessarily how to trick it, but how to make it appear seamlessly like this was meant for the website when it was created for print. So a lot of times I will ask for help with that because our website is so important that we really have to make sure we have strong work for that, which is where I would uh, ask for help from one of our just fantastic photographers. We have really awesome shooters on our staff. So I would ask them. I often go to Denny Howith or Ron MacArthur and I say, please help me. I need some good artwork for this story that's going online because, you know, it doesn't have any. And we all, we often ask them to like throw us a line. <laughs> sure. Well, and sometimes, you know, when you're writing about county council meeting or a town council meeting or, or something that doesn't have 
sort of a natural photograph to go along with it or an arresting photo, you definitely need need some extra help on, on things like that. I wanted to know, like, how do you see people engaging differently online versus print? I know with some of our members, the, the Venn diagram of who's a print subscriber or print reader and who is an online reader they don't overlap that much. Do you see that similar uh, aspect in, in your readership? We do. And that I am not involved in the scheduling of the, we call it the scheduling of the posts online, but I do know that a lot, I mean, like great, great detail is taken into the whole psychology of when you post things to the website that have already appeared in print, or when you just pull the trigger and you post immediately because this is a story that we have to get online in front of an audience, be it someone who's looking on the website, entering through Facebook, or someone who just expects us to cover something because it was a graduation or you know some special event. We are also finding a vast majority, as our other publications worldwide, finding the news from Facebook. It's social media, it's through Facebook or Twitter or an Instagram post, they enter through that way. So we sort of, we have to be, we have to look into a crystal ball a lot to just kind of gauge how someone, each individual story is going to be accessed because there's all those different entry points. And again, back to the sweet spot, it's finding those entry points for each individual story that is, it's a constant process. Sure. Yeah. And, and definitely creates all sorts of challenges in terms of what you're <laughs> choosing to cover if Facebook mm -hmm. and social media platforms are the avenue in differentiating yeah. yourself with serious news that's kind of hard sometimes when people are just looking for skimmable content it really is and in this era of coronavirus we pre-corona we had the approach where we didn't want to put everything online immediately because we wanted to hold some things back so we could really feature them and spread them out well now that we're in full corona era, we just kind of pull the trigger on all of it and give people the news immediately because everyone is so hungry for the latest news about everything. We just publish most 100% of everything immediately online. And so you guys are really in an interesting, like many of our members are in an interesting spot because I'm assuming your page views are just skyrocketing and kind of making sure that you're retaining those local viewers is important. I wanted to get into the idea of community journalism and what publications like the Cape Gazette offer that maybe some of your, some like a Metro Daily isn't really going to cover. So could you talk about your thoughts about community journalism and, and why you're so committed to it? Sure. I, I could give you specific examples of where a national publication might be covering trends in treatments, you know, giving it like a, a broad sweeping glance of coronavirus and treatments for COVID-19 and the latest national statistics. We certainly care about that story and we will allude to that story in our coverage but it's not something that we would do a, an investigative piece on. We would we care more about things like the Milton Food Pantry distributing boxes of food for people in need, or the homeless population in the Cape region. Where are they going? How do they get services during this time? Another example, we did a story early on about kids aren't in school at Cape, 
And a lot of children depend on food services on a daily basis, you know, when they're in school and when they're not in school, how do they get food? And we, we covered that story. So I feel like Cape Gazette and community journalism were able to do a more in-depth look at stories that are super hyper-local to our area, whereas the daily newspapers and the national newspapers They're covering, you know, just the broad sweeping angles of the coronavirus and only picking tidbits of local aspects. We're able to do, you know, we're able to engage our local audience by doing stories that they really care about. Right. And really bring it home to specific news that your community can use and and dramatically affects them. You know, the New York Times is not going to cover what's happening with the Milton Food Pantry. And, you know, kind of in that microcosm or macro system of news, every uh, publication definitely plays its part. And so as we wind up, I wanted to ask, do you have a favorite project or something that pops out for you in that work? From from last year? Oh, gosh. I mean, there were a lot. Well, my special section, the special sections that we do are definitely favorites because those are more like little magazines that we do. And really, that's, it's just a freestyle thing where I'm able to choose the style, choose the color palette, the typography, and everything from scratch. So I would say one of those, I, I really enjoy the um, Tis the Season, the holiday booklet. I, I like doing that because it's, it's, it is just, it's fun. It's, that's spun cotton candy. I mean, it's just really, it's a delight to put together. I mean, who doesn't love the holidays? They're just great. And it's usually a big project, and there are a lot of pages, and it is the songbook for the Rehoboth Main Street tree lighting. You have a songbook for the tree lighting? I don't think I've heard of that. I wanted to hear more about that tradition. It sounds really fun. No, it's, um, it's sponsored by uh, Rehoboth Beach Main Street, which is um, an entity under the umbrella of the city of Rehoboth. And they annually sponsor a sing-along when they like huge Christmas tree in Rehoboth. And Cape Gazette in conjunction with its Tis the Season booklet, we also publish the pages of the songbook in, inside. So it's not only our holiday booklet, our holiday project, but also the songbook that everyone carries with them to this event. That's extra special. That is. It sounds like such a, a dynamic and specific way to, to serve and benefit yeah. your community. That's really cool. You don't get more hometown than that. <laughs> No, you don't. That's great. So are there any other um, that you wanted to call out for our listeners? We're going to have links to your design portfolio in the show notes as well. I also love the home and garden booklets. Those are, we publish uh, twice a year. We do a spring home and garden and a fall home and garden. And those are often also great fun um, where we really get to just showcase beautiful photography and very, very fun stories and you know, we incorporate our advertisers in a lot of the editorial, and um, it's just a fun, free-flowing project that is different than any other of the news projects that I deal with, and I just really enjoy it. That sounds wonderful. And so, final question, do you have any advice or, or tips for people just starting out in newspaper design? I would say try to consume as much media as you can. Go online, look up some of the people who are doing it on the national level. Look up um, names like uh, Greg Manifold. He works at the Washington Post. He's the lead designer there. Does amazing work. Um, Certainly 
others that I've mentioned, Mario Garcia, Charles Apple. I would even say when I first started out designing and building pages at the Cape Gazette, Dennis and Trish handed me a copy of an Edmund Arnold book, and he's designer from back in the 60s and 70s. And his books still hold the test of time, I would say. Definitely check that out. Ron Reason is another great designer. I mean, there's just newspapers across the country, despite challenging, very, very challenging times, are doing, they're putting out great work. Thank you for that. And I also feel like the principles of design haven't changed significantly. The platforms, the the format and method, but good design from 1902 is still good design Mm -hmm. in 2020. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that or is that am I just totally off base no I would I would very much agree you're not gonna headlines and hierarchy of headlines and the typography you choose whether it be like screaming bold typography for a story that is really really important story you know not every story needs the same treatment just having strong artwork lead the story if there's a great photograph run it the length of full five columns of the paper, like, you know, drive it home. Don't be afraid and take chances too. I'm, I'm lucky to work at a paper where they support me and let me take chances. And sometimes I pitch a crazy idea and they look at me like I'm crazy, but that's okay too. <laughs> you just have to put yourself out there. Absolutely. Well, what a way to end. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate you taking the time this morning to talk with me. And and we'll be announcing our Designer of the Year winner the week of May 11th. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rebecca. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Five Dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.